Welcome to Soul Talk, soulful conversations exploring who you are, why you're here, and how to live your most authentic life. My name is Coop Blackson, nationally best-selling author of You Are The One, transformational teacher, and your host. I invite you to subscribe to the Soul Talk podcast for weekly inspiration from me, where I will share with you some powerful ideas, thoughts, and practical life wisdom to help you live life more fully, freeing yourself from your past, reclaiming your power, and living your true life's purpose. You can also go to www.coopblackson.com, enter your name and email to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment. Let's get started with Soul Talk. Welcome back, folks. Welcome back to another very special episode of the Soul Talk podcast. I am really excited about today's episode. Not only do I get to spend some time with a brilliant, brilliant human being, but uh, someone I consider a dear friend, an amazing soul. He's a New York Times bestselling author, metaphysical teacher, creator of the wildly popular notes from the universe, which you may know of, uh, author of Infinite Possibilities, A Beginner's Guide to the Universe, uh, an amazing, amazing human being, my dear friend, Mike Dooley. Welcome, Mike. Hello, dear Coot. Great to be with you. Thanks for this opportunity. I've been excited to connect, brother. It's, uh, it's been a while, but I feel we're always connected and just excited to rap about uh, possibilities, infinite possibilities, my friend. Um, talk to me. I want to, you know, 2020 has been an interesting year for most, oh. to say the least, and uh, <laughs> challenging, difficult. I mean, unless you're Jeff Bezos, maybe, you know. And so I would love to hear, I have a bunch of questions. I would love to hear your, just what's your perspective? We haven't really talked about, but what's your perspective of what the hell was happening in 2020? Um, from a spiritual perspective, just yeah. to give people maybe a viewpoint of this of this past year as we move into a new year, 2021. Um, what's your perspective? What 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 was going on? What was that about? How do we make sense of this yeah. this past year? Crazy, crazy. Um, but I think it's a reflection, Coot, of the fact that we are a a very primitive at a primitive point in the evolution of our consciousness here on planet Earth. And uh, as we speak, as you well know, most folks don't realize they're nonstop 24-7 creators. They're reacting to reality. They're not tuned in to their spirituality. Uh, they think, therefore, that life is happening to them. And their life becomes one of putting out fire after fire after fire. And when you're kind of... Um, got the cart, the wagon before the horse, so to speak, nothing really makes sense. Uh, and not only is it frustrating, or as some may rightly call, you know, living through hell. Hell is not knowing that we live in a heaven on earth right now. But you don't, if you don't know that, you know, you feel like you're a victim, you feel like you're vulnerable, and you make really poor choices. And in the arc of the evolution of our enlightenment, which is where we're ultimately headed, uh, 500 or 10,000 years from now, um, you know, we stub our toes and we miscreate. Uh, mm. Instead of intentionally forging and shaping our reality, we accidentally do it. Um, and since we don't have our spiritual antennae out, if you will, um, some of the decisions we make are really rather harmful. You know, they're fear-based and others suffer. And to go 
all the way to explain coronavirus, if I can do that with my little brain, um, when we've got such inequities and imbalances in the world, and really, you know, the rule of law is great, but it favors those who wrote it. Uh, we have yet to live in a world where we will be ruled by love and care and compassion. And, and therefore, there will always be folks falling by the wayside. And when the pain is enough and that emotional turmoil and chaos uh, starts reaching a crescendo between the masses, between the have and the have not and the disparity, um, when it starts getting really bad, just as an individual's thoughts become things, creating their own fortunes or misfortunes. So do we as a collective create our own fortunes and misfortunes. And so now we are reaping of the chaos sown in the anguish felt by brothers and sisters the world over. Hence the Black Lives Matter movement. Hence other final awakenings to, to extremes that have cause so many people to suffer while others blithely go on and say, well, I made my own reality just fine. You've got issues, so you've got to take care of that. I can't worry about you. Mm. Uh, this is a time of great healing, a great awakening. Um, the chaos is showing up, and so now we can deal with it. And people are talking about things they haven't talked about in my lifetime, and it's all going to play to a better end we're inclined to succeed, where the eyes and the ears of God Almighty come alive in the dream of life. We can't help but to ultimately prevail in love. Uh, and this is part of that process. You mentioned victim, the word victim. For someone who might be going through this experience and they feel like the world has collapsed around them, you know? They feel like, yeah, I create my own reality, but my reality is shit, you know? I, I lost my job, I lost my health, I lost my, I mean, just, I lost people I love. How can someone, what guidance can you give for that person to shift out of victim consciousness, feeling like a victim, when, you know, it, it might seem like life, yeah. I am a victim to the stuff that's happening. So yeah. how, how, how can we move out of victim consciousness? Well, I think a twofold uh, process is involved. Number one is constant immersion in truth. Um, reading books by Coot Blackson, reading, uh, following you on social media. Uh, I've got stuff out there, notes from the universe. There's a lot of teachers that speak about our power and how sometimes when we stub our toe or bad things seemingly happen to good people, it's more of a, uh, an accidental manifestation. And I know that that can be really tormenting to hear. I, I've had it hurled at me since I was in the secret, the law of attraction. You know, aren't you blaming mm -hmm. every person who's experienced something bad? Aren't you, aren't you blaming the victim, Mike Dooley? And it's like, look, words like, like fault, like blame, like victim, um, those don't work in a truly enlightened spiritual conversation. And while that might seem naive, to think otherwise would mean 
that truly bad, crappy things could happen to any good person for absolutely no reason, that we live in a world of helter-skelter where there is no real order and that the meaning is only there sometimes, uh, that would be far more disempowering to somebody than teaching them that perhaps what they've experienced was an un unintended manifestation that they had control over. They could have made some other choices, uh, maybe differently, to be able to see things in a better light, find the silver lining, and get their groove on, rather than to teach and foster the notion of victimhood. And while I know that that may sound like I, I am blaming the victim, I'm not. There's no such thing as blame when you have an unintended manifestation. But it's just too important not to use this opportunity to say, look, don't even try to figure out what thought led to what manifestation. And you're absolutely right. There are people who did some bad stuff to you and to other folks. This does not justify them. This does not mean it's okay. But if you want to take back your power, you've got to realize that you've been an unintentional manifester so far. And the way you change things is not to say, yeah, look what they did to me is to say, if I did it unintentionally, I can begin creating intentionally, and I can move myself from beyond here. And so instead of looking for how did I create this situation where I am in pain and suffering and I feel no powers, instead of looking for how did I create this, I remember my life 20 years ago was a train wreck. And I remember thinking, man, I must have so much wrong in my mind, in my soul, maybe it's karma. But I remember a voice, I get these voices, and it said, you know, don't go looking for what's wrong with you, Mike, because number one, you will find it. And number two, you're going to need a team of people to undo it. Instead, decide and recommit to the nature of reality. You're a divine creator. Your thoughts become things. You know that's how life works. You know that you wouldn't have put yourself in this situation on planet Earth if there wasn't a way out into glory, sunshine, a realization of heaven on Earth. And so while you don't understand how you created the situation you're in, Mike, mm. what you do understand is that you're a creator. So drill down into truth, which is my step one that I was just saying. You know, just drill down to truth. Follow Kut. Follow Abraham. Follow Sadhguru. Follow Mike Dooley. Follow whoever. And that will shore your confidence up. And then mm -hmm. start living it. Thoughts become things. Dream some big thoughts. Get clear about the desired end result. Show up with timid baby steps, even if you have tons of self-doubt, even self-loathing, and prepare to be astounded because it always works. Mm. Mm. I'm feeling inspired already. <laughs> uh, you mentioned karma. Uh, how much do you feel or do you feel karma plays what role do you feel karma plays in our life and how do we shift our karma because sometimes people say mike it's just my karma no matter what i try it's karma and the astrologer said it's just the karmic consequences of you know generations or my past lives you know and i'm now paying for my past life and i can't seem to shift it no matter you know no matter what i think no matter what i think it just i just my luck doesn't go that way. It doesn't, it doesn't turn out positively. So how much does karma play? And if so, you know, how, how do we shift our karma? 
Okay, well, as I said, these are primitive times as far as our spiritual awareness goes. You know, we are all caveman, woman. You know, life is happening. People are bad. God is angry. And we've drawn a lot of bogus conclusions beyond just those ones I named. And one of those is the false uh, belief, understanding, whatever you want to call it, that karma is a law. And it's called the law of karma. There's something huge there, but with a little deductive reasoning, paying attention, we could quickly see that it is a phenomenon. And sure enough, 99 times out of 100, what goes around comes around. But to take it to the degree that it is a law as absolute as we are divine, as absolute as thoughts become things, then something huge is missed and we totally throw our power out the window. We feel like, you know, it's not me. It's God's decision. It's not me. It's karma. I was a pirate in my last lifetime. Now I have to experience lack and suffering. <laughs> there goes all of your power. No, karma is a phenomenon. It is not a, um, a system of checks and balances, nor is it a, a system of keeping score. If I think most of my audiences are generally at a place where they're embracing that they're a creator by what they focus on. Their thoughts become things. Their words give them wings. It's a matter of focusing more on the good stuff and focusing less on the stuff that they don't like because they realize, and I hope my students realize, that it's the end-all, be-all, Coot. I think you know. Thoughts become things. There's no mitigating factor, not God, not angels, not, not nothing. We create our own reality. It is what we insisted upon coming here. It is the only thing that can ensure we'll have the most rocking life of all. Total freedom, total possibilities, always an upside. That's how powerful we are. That, thoughts becoming things, is absolute. It is our it is the mini-me of the divine within us. Nothing can change that. But mm. if somebody also thought karma was absolute, oh, now it gets into a really slippery slope. What if in all of my prior lifetimes, or in this lifetime alone, if people don't believe in reincarnation or some form of that, mm. let's say I've violated mm. through insults or whatever other people, you know, 716 times. But mm. I've only been violated 500 times. Mm. The law of karma, if it was absolute, would mean I'd have to suffer equally or probably be violated exactly as many times as I had violated. But what if through my own introspection, through my own realization of the pain I put other people through, what if through my own mm. deep contemplative thought, meditation, I see the error of my way. And suddenly I'm like born again. Suddenly I'm so nice to everybody. Suddenly I'm, you know, sunshine and roses and helping out and service uh, while I enjoy my life. There's no equally, mm. you know, uh, they're not mutually exclusive, enjoying your life and being of service. So suddenly my thoughts are of love because I have woken up. My thoughts are of love. They're of abundance. They're of helping others. They're of adventure. They're of enjoying the sweetness of life. So along comes Mike Dooley or Coot Blackson, thoughts become things. You know, it's like, whoa, this is a good vibration to be in because now I've gotten through all of my junk. I miss, I understand what I was misunderstanding. I'm ready for sunshine and rainbows, unicorns, bring it on. 
if karma was an absolute law, even though all of my new thoughts are rainbows and unicorns, facetiously, <laughs> if karma was an absolute law, I could not have my thoughts becoming things. My thoughts wouldn't become things. My thoughts would be blocked Mm. By karma, which supposedly is absolute, then the fight or the argument would be which is stronger, karma or thoughts mm -hmm. become things. It's like we can all sense that we are powerful. That's why people use creative visualization. That's why every civilization talks about the power of positive thinking. There's mm. power in our thoughts. It's immutable. It is non-negotiable. It cannot be taken away from us, not even by a higher self, because we are the higher self an expression here. So mm -hmm. if karma is an absolute law, we'd have to say, you know, believe and ye shall receive if you don't have bad karma. Or mm -hmm. thoughts become things, but only if you've been violated as many times as you violate. Mm -hmm. You know, there is no such garbage. We get off that reincarnational karmic, well, forget the reincarnation, we get off the karmic wheel Mm. the karmic wheel through changing our thoughts. And in the moment we move towards love and light, new reality, and those thoughts become things and everything else is jettisoned from the past. And it does not matter what the score was. It is not an absolute law. Yes, we can see it happening all the time because most people don't change their thoughts. But if there's a major upshift in thought mm -hmm. towards your power to seeing life's beauty, to the love that's everywhere, you're no longer on that old wheel. You're off of it no matter what the score was. And you can live deliberately and consciously from here no matter what the psychic um, astrologer told you back in, you know, back on the farm. <laughs> so wait, 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 Mike, are you saying doesn't matter what we've done? I just want to be clear because it's kind of mind blowing. That doesn't matter if I have screwed people over, cheated, stolen, I mean, raped or killed. So long as I change my thoughts in this moment to positivity, to love, to higher frequency. Are you saying that I'm free of what I did? Like, like, like really explain that, like, you know, because that, that's kind of a revolutionary thought, right? Are you saying, I mean, I, I just need you to clarify what you're saying. You're like, sure, I, sure. I, like, I don't have to deal with any energetic ramifications of what I may have done to someone. I mean, Clarify, because that yeah, yeah, yeah. It begs, it begs to be clarified. Um, the gist of what you just shared, as a summary of what I said, is the case. You are off the hook. You've never been on the hook. You've never been judged. You are the eyes and the ears of God, doing the best you could with what you had, no matter how badly directed you were, no matter your profound uh, ignorance or assumptions. You were never judged, so you don't even have to ask for forgiveness. This is what the Bible says before you even ask. But I can fully appreciate the, 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 the pain that, that that might elicit to somebody who's been violated, to somebody who's been hurt, uh, to kind of feel like, look, you know, this is just inequitable. I would say if it's somebody else who's violated you, let God deal with the things they did, okay? God is not going to uh, snooze on this. It's not going to be uh, overlooked. It was not okay what they did. 
um, they will know in due order, in the, the, the mind and heart of God, uh, exactly what they put you and everyone else through. So, so you need to just be centered in truth, see the love, realize the best of your life lays ahead, and you're going to be able to use what you gain from the experience, however mm. hideous it was, to, to make your life better and to make the, the trail of innumerable other people better. Now, if you are that person, and I just said, let God deal with Mike Dooley and a minute ago. I said, no, you don't have to, you don't have to do that. Anybody who can get to that place of like, oh my God, I was wrong. The folly of my ways is, is humiliating. I hurt so many people. There's only love for them. There's only love for me. I didn't need to spite them and smite them. Holy when, when somebody gets to that place, mm. it's not like they're just like, oh, you know, I don't give a damn about you. You're in my past and I may have hurt you, but I'm forgiven. And I'm it's like mm. when you get to that degree of enlightenment, because this is what enlightenment is, peeling away all the lies, peeling away all the fears that made you act the way you did that hurt so many other people. You will in your mm -hmm. own way mm -hmm. through your entire being conscious and more deeply than that, understand and feel what you put everybody through. And I don't doubt for two seconds that if you consciously put anybody through great pain and torment, I don't doubt for, for there's no doubt in my mind, you would do all you could with all you had to make reparations, to mm. show the love, uh, financial and otherwise, um, as you also went on to rock your life. So, you know, we have to deal with sound bites. You and I only have, you know, so many minutes in this conversation. So, so yeah, I, I appreciate that much of what I might say will beg uh, other questions for clarity. I, I didn't say people get off the hook, mm. but I, but they are loved. They were never judged, and they can live happily from this day forward. Although their mm. task will be reconciling what they put other people through, and coming up with a way to make amends. And somebody could easily say, well, how can you make amends for killing somebody's child? It's like, you're never going to make amends for that in a human lifetime um, with the dichotomy of objectivity and here and there and now and then in the soup of illusions where we now live our lives. Mm -hmm. But life is awareness and consciousness is so much more than what we have to deal with here. And so mm -hmm. there's no doubt in my mind while we can, should, and will uh, correct our ways in this lifetime, mm -hmm. there will be a lot more terrain and territory beyond to, mm -hmm. to make similar reparations, healings, come to peace for their benefit and your own benefit. So, so while there is no such thing as hell, mm. which will piss off people who were <laughs> violated, while there is no such thing as hell, in the long run, in the scheme of infinite justice, mm. there are consequences to bad behavior, probably most significantly, a full re-experiencing of the torment you put other people through. Does that mean in the moment of your awakening? Not necessarily. Does that mean at some point? Absolutely. There are consequences to, to all such things, but not in a karmic, absolute your, your, your creation of your reality is now can't come to pass because you hurt somebody. That would be, mm. that's just not the way it works. We are free. Mm. We are loved. We are powerful. 
we are here to get it on and live our greatest lives. But we is, all step it, on toes. Is, isn't the consequence that we face ultimately, is, is that not an aspect of karma or, or no? That's a great, you could look at it like that. And um, yes, I, I think so. I think that would be the proper mm-hmm. implication and definition of karma, Kut. That's really awesome. Um, what people do, though, is they extrapolate that, mm-hmm. that reconciliation into, well, I can't live in abundance this lifetime because I must have done something in another life. No, there's no such, there's no correlation to karma as you've described it to being able to find happiness and live consciously, create deliberately with the rest of your life. Got it. Got it. That is so, uh, can feel the freedom in that, you know? Yeah. And just, just that. And I feel the justice in what you said too. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, thoughts become things. Thoughts become things, Mike. Thoughts become things. This is your thing. And uh, I've heard you say it several times. I want to break that down. I mean, it sounds simple, thoughts become things, but for those listening in that might have questions, like do all, like, do all thoughts become things? Like, is it really, you know, is it really that simple? I can hear some people asking, thoughts become things, but Mike, I've been thinking about, I want to be a billionaire. I want to be a billionaire. I want to be a billionaire. I've been thinking those thoughts and I'm broke or I'm still financially struggling. What do you mean thoughts become things? I'm, I am thinking positive thoughts. I wake up and I do my affirmations and look in the mirror and I'm thinking and I'm, you know, I've, I know people that they've recorded themselves on an audio tape and they, you know, do the affirmations on audio all day subliminally and the reality still doesn't maybe seem to show, let's say, an abundance or the thing that they're thinking about. So, like, like, it, it is that simple, Coot. Um, but yet there's, there's a lot of layers and we think more than we realize what we're thinking. Um, but the baseline, which is so important to get going on a proper footing so that you don't give your power away is to realize that, yes, it is you and only you. Your thoughts become things. If it hasn't shown up yet, that doesn't mean it's not coming tomorrow. Don't say, what's wrong with me? How am I sabotaging myself? Is it karma? You open the door to wacky things that are not pertinent. But because we live in this, um, you know, kind of very objectified reality of hot and cold, up or down, left and right, you know, duality, you know, it's, it's these sacred jungles of time and space. Only, you know, to try to put the best words to it possible, it's, it's the thoughts you think the most, with the most conviction that you're most in alignment with including believability, words, and actions that become the things and events of our lives. If I think California right now, and I think New York City right now, I mean, I can't be in either. I'm still here in Florida. So there needs to be some motion and some steps taken uh, and a lot of congruence to bring me to the place that I do think of the most, that I move towards the most, um, and that I believe in the most. So it is as simple as thoughts becoming things. That is it. Full stop. Ain't nothing else. But Mike, how come some of my thoughts have not become things yet? Because other thoughts of yours did. That's it. It's still you and only you. And so there's this whole art, this beautiful art of living deliberately, creating consciously. And that is being aware, uh, reflective, 
what am I thinking? What am I believing? What am I preparing for? Is that in is that support my dreams or is it um, building a bridge of retreat? And what am I saying to my friends? What am I saying to myself in the mirror? Um, you know, I want to be surrounded by wealth and abundance, but, um, um, you know, come up with something else. Nobody knows uh, how much I have to offer. You know, people don't recognize me. People don't see me, but I have the Midas touch, but no one sees me. You, you can't have the Midas touch and nobody sees you. So you have to reconcile these conflicts within yourself. And while it's daunting and scary at first, I think, Coot, as we all know, it's like, oh, my God, I just had a, a fear. Oh, my God, my thoughts become things. Maybe that fear will override my positivity and hijack my life. It's like one of my best personal revelations that I needed the most in this lifetime really probably came to me within the last 10 years is this realization, Coot, that if we think thoughts that are positive, okay, now I know that that's a broken thing because posit my positive is somebody else's negative. Yeah. So, but, but generally people will know what I mean. When we think thoughts that are positive, um, let me say, let me rephrase it. When we think thoughts in alignment with truth, because truth is absolute, positivity is subjective. When we think thoughts in, align with in alignment with truth, and now, now, this is why I said it's so important. We be grounded in truth by following Kut and by following Sadhguru and by following whoever. But then we recognize the truth. We align with it. We realize amongst these, this, these truths, which are so benign and so simple, we are of God, by God, pure God. We are here by choice. We're here because we wanted to. We're bathed in love. We're all connected. That's about all the absolute truths that I can even handle in my head. When we think thoughts in alignment with that, like in alignment with I am divine and all powerful because I am of God, like I'll probably become a millionaire before too long. I'll probably find the love of my life before too long. I'll probably heal that backache before too long. I'm, I'm God. All right. You know, I'll probably figure out and untangle my conflicting beliefs. Those thoughts that are in alignment with truth, not just call them positive. But thoughts in alignment with truth, because truth is absolute, it's benign, it's friendly, it's knowable. Those thoughts, boom, 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 boom. Thoughts become things. You're rich, you're surrounded by love, you have clarity. When we think negative thoughts, that's common lingo, but a better way to phrase it. When we think thoughts out of alignment with truth, like, mm. I'm an idiot. You're freaking <laughs> God. Mm. You're adored. You will be forever. You're a being of light. So you're, you call yourself an idiot. It's a lie and it's not in alignment with truth. Nobody really gets me wrong. Everybody worships you. Uh, nobody, nobody likes my conversations or my jokes. It's like you haven't spoken enough or shared enough. When mm. we say things that are not in alignment with truth, mm. we're, we're resisting the entire universe. And it's much more difficult. I always I say arbitrarily, but it's an understatement. Our positive thoughts, thoughts in alignment with truth, are 10,000 times Mm. understatement, more powerful than thoughts not in alignment with truth or so-called negative thoughts. Positive thoughts are 10,000 times more powerful than negative thoughts. This is my talk at uh, TLC in Panama not that long ago. <laughs> and it's like, what gives? How come I can worry and be negative like anybody? But it's my good thoughts that still become things. And it's because mm. this realization 
we're, we're naturally so much more inclined towards dreams, towards beauty, towards living our power, to living creatively. And therefore, what started this tirade in this conversation <laughs> was, was the fact that we need not think, you know, thoughts becoming things, it's the end all be all. Oh, my God, I just had a fear. You're covered. If you just try to be positive a little bit during five mm. minutes of visualization every day, even then I've worried and I've prevailed. I'm so inclined to succeed and so in, so is everyone else. You start to realize you're not vulnerable to your own negativity. You start realizing why you prevailed in all of your other crises. You start realizing how you came from behind when you thought there was no hope because there was a spark of hope because you didn't give up. And to for most people, they don't realize this inequity, this inequity in their favor, that a little mm. bit of positivity will save the day. And so they truly, some, it's rare, truly get lost in this downward spiral of negativity and grief and grievances. They didn't know that just to kind of hang on to the edge with a little bit of hope and a few baby steps would have eventually turned that downward spiral into an upward spiral and they would have prevailed. So thoughts mm. become things, that's all there is, but mm. we're so inclined to succeed. This is not a scary proposition. Mm. You triggered some more, more, more thoughts and questions. <laughs> if I have a thought, okay, someone listening, you know, we've been dealing with this thing, whatever we want to call it, COVID-19, Corona, okay? affecting people on the planet. So if I'm listening in and I have a thought, COVID-19, Corona doesn't affect me. I am immune from it. I am, you know, it can't touch me. I am immune from it. Are you saying we have the power? I want to like break it down. We have the power to never be affected by this virus. That we have the power like to go into... Let's go be extreme, go into an environment where everyone might have the virus and be there, interact. I'm immune. I'm divine. I'm all powerful. Walk out. And it's not my reality. And be fine. Like, I, are we saying that? I just really, you know, because a lot of you, know, and I'm kind of drawing an extreme kind of example because, you know, so many people are in fear you know, of, 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 of this thing. And I mean, yeah. I'm, I, I'm a believer that there isn't any intelligence inside the body, that our thoughts affect our physiology, which create chemicals. And, and there is a power, the power inside of me is greater than anything in the world. And so I just want to know kind of what you're really saying around this. Yeah. Yeah, well, thanks for all these good opportunities. Um, absolutely, Coot, absolutely. We could walk into a house that's on fire and then walk right back out and everything else in there went up in flames but us. People get cancer all the time and they're cured like this, like our friend Anita Morjani. Um, there's endless tales and accounts of known miracles like we're talking about. And undoubtedly, if we knew of all the people who have ingested coronavirus and didn't ever get it, then it would be a mute point and we wouldn't have this conversation. But yes, that happens all the time. But I would caution because somebody says, I can't get coronavirus. That doesn't mean that's what they believe. They might 
they might believe that life is hard and God is angry and there's retribution everywhere from divine intelligence. And I haven't been that good and I don't deserve that much. And I'm just a frail human body. I'm paying for the sins of my father. And so if that, if that person then says, oh, and I'm immune to coronavirus, I don't think they would believe it. So if they're not in alignment and congruent with it, then it would not do them any good. Well, even then, if they came up with an affirmation and they started working on it and with creative visualization and some demonstrations, they could quite feasibly, in a short order, install a belief that they are immune to coronavirus and not get it from anybody else. Or why stop their cancer or AIDS or anything else that they, or if they have it, they can cure themselves from it, just as other people who are not saints do so through medicine or or unexplained circumstances. I would mm. say, though, a cautionary uh, word of advice, though. I, mm. When it comes to health, I always tell audiences or readers to play both ends to the middle. Look, mm. do the affirmation. See yourself as Teflon. Know that you're the eyes and the ears of God. Act accordingly. But play both ends to the middle. Do the woo-woo. The, the, the I playfully call it the woo-woo. And then go see your dang doctor and get a vaccine. You know, there's no reason to jeopardize health. There's there's greater things to do than to, you know, to to try to build a wall around you of disease that, that can't be penetrated. Like get happy today, you know, fall in love with someone new today, fall in love with yourself today, move towards your dreams today. And that's going to add to your immunity even better than that. So so do both do the conventional and then do the woo woo. Is, isn't that, and again, just asking, is, is that not a little affirmation of the fact that you really don't believe that you're Teflon? It is, it is, it and, is. And so, so doesn't that, you know, because I'm, I'm saying, well, if thoughts become things and we really believe thoughts become things, then why would I go do that thing? Yes, and, so and, good. So good. Cool. Break it down. Help, help us understand, Mike. Okay. So remember what I was saying about positivity wildly by unimaginable proportions, exceeding negativity or truth uh -huh. becoming a thing exceeds chances wildly more than, than uh, yes. non-truth. So if, number one, yes, somebody could do it just with their thoughts, with their words alone and not play both ends, ends to the middle. Yes. But if you've been, you know, to the general listener right now, if you've been walking around in the dark most of your life, like I have been, mm. you don't know where you might have some stray, invisible, limiting thought or belief. And the best way to, you know, inoculate, quote unquote, against all harm is to play both ends to the middle, because by doing the woo woo, you have just ramped up your immune system, you have just made yourself so much further along because it's in alignment with truth. Then to act with uh, kind of the limited mindset, well, just in case I might need to get a shot. Now that's negative and that will lower your immunity. But, mm -hmm. but I'm saying do it anyway, because that little bit of negativity, because it's very small compared to the massive leaps forward you're going to be making with new desires, new affirmations, a new vision for your immunity, then it's okay. You know, and buy health insurance while you're at it, even though that's a very negative, 
demonstration mm-hmm. by life insurance, even though that's a very negative demonstration. Mm-hmm. Both of those things imply that you could be a random statistic. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, come on, you know, car insurance. Well, somebody might hit me. Well, mm-hmm. get it. Okay. It's required by law. You're covering that base. And mm-hmm. at the same time, see yourself speaking, thinking, behaving as the true supernatural divine being that you are far above and beyond viruses and car crashes and hiccups yep. and sore throats. Got it. Got it. Super clear. How much is action necessary? If thoughts become things, can I just sit here? Mike and go, because, you know, people might be thinking about this. Well, thoughts become things. I can just sit in my house. And if I really believe it, money can just come to me. You know, people start knocking on my door and just finding me. And like, like if this shit is real, you know, and I really believe it. Well, why can't I just manifest money? People showing up like how much is action a needed component? Is it needed? Can I? I think, Coot, when we are so enlightened that we are literally walking on water and ascending in and out of the time-space continuum, I think when that happens, we will not need to take action. I think it's conceivable (laughs) that our thoughts can become so powerful that people will be knocking on our windows trying to give us money. But until that day comes, (laughs) let's get it on. Let's go out and dance life's dance. Let's have a dream and move towards it. Make new best friends. Find out our skills, our talents. Find out where we've got chinks in our armor. Let's live this grand adventure called life. It's the ultimate spiritual path is living life. So I would say to to answer the question as bluntly as possible, action is necessary. Because the way we believe today in these primitive times, if you think you're going to find your travel partner with benefits and millions of dollars or dineros, but you're sitting on your couch doing nothing, chances are extreme that there's a major conflict or contradiction in your head. Mm. And and therefore, you've got competing thoughts. It will happen. It won't happen. It can. It won't. And and to to make sure you are fully congruent with your dreams of travel and romance and financial abundance, you would be speaking along those lines and you would be physically moving along those lines, Mm. even though, and this is the disconnect, even though our first few baby steps towards rocking romance and international travel and financial abundance. It always seems like, you know, I dream up here, but the only baby steps I can take are like way down here. And and if I'm loved divine being of light and God wants for me what I want for myself, why should I have to go take these stupid little baby steps at a, mm-hmm. at a job I hate? Mm-hmm. Take them. Just get yourself out of the house. Then you become a lightning rod for the serendipities ordained by the big dreams. It doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter what road you start out on. It will not be the road you arrive on. So people freak out over the road they're starting out on. Look, it's the wrong road anyway. None of the roads in front of you are right, but they all lead to the right road. So dream big, start out on a crappy, sucky path. Choose the least sucky. That's better than the other sucky ones. And then enjoy the journey one step at a time. Be fully present. Fall in love with everyone. Let them fall in love with you. And you will wake up one day pinching yourself, wondering what you did to deserve so much. Mm, I love it. I love it. For the person that might be, feel like they're stuck in, you know, a negative loop cycle in their mind, you know, mm-hmm. uh, how can they begin 
how can they unhook from that cycle? Maybe because sometimes the, those negative thought cycles can seem or even feel a bit addictive, right? Oh, and yeah. and we, we know we should break out. I know what you're saying is right, Mike. I know I should, but I just, I get hooked in and I can't seem yeah. to stop. So, so is there a way you can guide us to unhook ourselves? Yeah, I speak from experience. I am, I am one of those people that gets to this day, will get into a loop of negativity. Fortunately, mm. I learned a trick a long time ago, back in my early 20s. Um, and now I understand it. It's our, our, our profound inclination to thrive and prosper based on our lineage and divinity. Our, pos our positive thoughts are so much more powerful than our negative thoughts. What I have learned mm. through my crises, Kut, is that there are times that I cannot stop that runaway train of fear. Can't, mm. Mm. can't. I'll sit down and visualize and I'll worry. But what I have found is that I can just let that train run. I'm just like, you just run your little heart out, baby. You just go, choo, choo, choo. You go and fear and be scared mm -hmm. all you want. But while mm -hmm. you do that, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to do my best for five minutes today. That's it. To think positive, empowering thoughts as if my dreams have already come true, as if I've gone beyond this thing that I'm terrified of. Mm -hmm. I have found that while I cannot sometimes stop that runaway train of fear, I can always simultaneously, timidly, start a new little train of positivity going and just mm -hmm. kind of fake some thoughts of positivity. And dang it, Coot, every single time, it's been enough. It's always been enough. Mm -hmm. A little bit of positivity, five minutes a day, peppered with fear, in my life has offset 18 conscious hours of true fear, worrying about what can go wrong, how it can go wrong, my, you know, how messed up my life is. Five minutes a day, peppered with fear, will offset 18 waking hours of fear. And mm -hmm. however ridiculous it seems, I would always combine that five minutes with a few affirmations. It's working out. The money's coming in now. I'm loved and adored. Mm. It's getting mm. easier and easier. Feels like total lies. You know, the house is burning down. Metaphorically, <laughs> I'm like, it's going to be okay. I see a way out. Even though I don't see a way out, I see the way out. It's all becoming clear. I totally get it. I'm so grateful for mm. this. Mm. Um, and then a few baby steps. If I'm out of money, do something to save money. Disconnect the cable TV. Um, mm. Do something to make money. You know, apply mm. to one more job. Just do a few little things. Actions so critical in these primitive days of our spiritual awakening. And have that positive visualization. Prepare to be astounded. So mm. you can't turn it off. Don't even try to turn off that fear sometimes. You know, there's no trick for that. But simultaneously, do a little positivity. Get a, a vision board going. A physical one or put it on Pinterest. Um, and, and have that little safe place, that go-to place. And don't worry if when you're there, you worry. You've made that pact. You've done what you could. It's always enough by law. Mm. I love it. I love it. Are there any other, um, I don't know, things you do or secrets that you've learned, especially for those during this time that might be concerned about money? You know, I think 2020... A lot of people's lives have been turned upside down. And so for the person listening in and maybe they're 
really struggling financially, things have fallen apart financially, and maybe they're like, Mike, I need a money miracle. I need a money, I need a money miracle. I need to shift my financial situation. Um, what's some of the best, I don't want to say hacks, you know, what's some of the best secrets that you could share in terms of like creating a money miracle? Let's just call it as it is, you know? Yeah, what, what, yeah. What, what, what can someone do right now within themselves or actually implement or guide us there? I would say first and foremost, even though maybe your landlord has given you eight days pay or you're evicted, where possible, and usually it is possible, so if and when possible, I would extract myself from these micro uh, crises. You know, like, what am I going to do in eight days? What am I going to do? It's like, you know, if you can, you don't have to, but if you can, instead, just imagine that, you know, you're three months into the future. Imagine that you're telling the story to your mom or a best friend, like, wow, I, I, I escaped the bullet, man. Wow, I, I can't believe I was so scared and now everything's all right. Just imagine that the money's coming in right now. Imagine that you have this breathing room. Imagine that you know, you're, you're sleeping well at night. Just go beyond the crises, if possible. Not, it's not necessary because there's so much wiggle room, you're still going to hit a home run. But try to go beyond the crises so that you're not figuring out how to save it. Okay, this is part one of two parts. So go beyond and create that vision where you've got breathing room, there's money coming in, just got a new car, you might go to New York or Hawaii for the next holiday, you haven't decided yet, depends on what your new partner says or your old partner who you're madly in love with. So just try to create that bubble, even if it's a new train running beside the train of fear that won't stop. Mm -hmm. So that's going to program um, some major infinite possibilities in the unfolding days, weeks, months, even pertaining to the crises that may be looming. Mm. Second step is to engage with action. And it doesn't have to be the home run. It does not have to be the home run. Don't think, well, I'm going to write my book and Oprah will love it. And in seven days, I'll be I have a New York Times bestseller. It's like, you know, stop. When it comes to the baby steps and engaging with action, okay, this is not the time for envisioning, you know, you know, super heroics. The vision of three months out, that was super heroics. Right now, we want to get to that. So today, get practical, show up, cut costs, apply for a job, ask for a raise, get the government assistance, get the scholarship, find out who's giving away what, stand in the food line, get toys for tots. There's nothing beneath you and there's nothing that's not spiritual. You're playing both ends to the middle. You've created this vision that's beyond that implies that you made it through. Divine intelligence is now working it. Divine intelligence will connect those dots and it'll have an easier chance with you getting out the house now. So get out the house and do the practical, the logical. And if you've got some ideas for some woo-woo, you can mix that in with your baby steps. So while you're turning off you know, the, the cable TV and you're changing your cell phone plan, you know, by taking those steps, you embolden confidence and you feel like you're taking control and you are. Simultaneously, do some, some woo-woo and move in the direction of a new career or a, apply for a place that would just be a dream to work at or approach an investor or a partner who you thought was out of reach before while you also get a second part-time job, while you also do the practical. So have the big dream, get 
really busy in the most practical of ways, feel your power returning, know that there's magic abounding in all of our lives, and the universe will thread that needle. Mm. Mm. I, lo I love having the vision, but also the practicality. But I'm also kind of hearing how even dealing with the practicality is an affirmation of your own belief that you, that you have belief in the thought and the vision. So it's not just, let me think the thought, because sometimes even just thinking the thought, not doing anything about it might show your lack of belief in yourself and the vision. And so the practical action is also an affirmation, even if it means turning off the cable, as you're saying, is an, it is an affirmation in your power and energy. It is, it is. Taking action does so many things on so many fronts. It avails us of miracles because suddenly we can meet someone, we can have an idea, mm -hmm. we, we, you know, somebody next to us on the bus shares a book with us, everything's different. It avails us of miracles. It instills a sense of optimism because look, things are changing. I'm out doing something about it. I am that mm -hmm. moving part. I am that mm -hmm. miracle worker. See what I'm doing. And then it installs uh, empowering beliefs as well as arouses optimism and expectation. It's like taking action is so uh, underrated yeah. uh, or you could say it's overrated, but in the wrong ways. It's like, look, mm. you're not the one who hits the home run. Divine intelligence hits the home run for you, but you mm. have to pitch the ball. And mm. the way you pitch to the universe so the universe can hit a home run is you show up with baby steps. And with this realization, you don't show up with baby steps and think, well, I only get $9 an hour. How am I going to do the math? It's like, no, you're showing up here and you're showing up there and you're asking for help and you're getting ideas and you're creating possibilities with every baby step. And then the universe slips into your circumstances and blows your mind with some good bit of news. The universe, or they say, well, God works in mysterious ways. <laughs> yeah, and pray and move your feet. There's a lot of parallels here. Yeah, yeah, simultaneous. If, if someone's dealing with a, let's say, situation like, and, and they're wondering, okay, this last year has been challenging. I've hit some roadblocks. How do I know when maybe I have this vision? It hasn't worked out. 2020 hasn't gone according to plan. How do I know when it's actually time to give up? And maybe this is the universe telling me. This is not the vision. This is not the dream. And we need to move you in a different direction. How do I know when it's time to give up on the dream mm. or, or actually keep going? Because I think you might be people, of... you know, in that consideration right now, do I give up on this vision or do I persevere and keep through? Keep yeah. going through? That is such a painful dilemma. And, and it's, uh, I, I feel that question quite a bit. And it stems from us trying to micromanage. And it stems from us messing with what I call the cursed house. Our job is to define the end result, a, a life of joy, of health, of prosperity, of friends and laughter, creative, fulfilling work, call it play, whatever you want. That's what we are supposed to do with our brains, define the end result on the track where we have our highest and greatest priorities, a.k.a. needs. Everything else in between is a possibility, is a maybe. But what people don't understand is they try to micromanage the path, the how, the partner, the time frame, and it's, it's beyond the brain's capability to do this. And worse, 
When you say, this is the path, this is my dream, my thoughts become things. When you attach to a path, which is different than attaching to the end result, friends, mm. laughter, abundance, health, prosperity. When you attach to a path or a how I'm going to get to the dream and you make the path a dream, which really is micromanaging to an extreme, mm. you unintentionally slam shut and lock all other doors. You want wealth and abundance and create a fulfilling career, prosperity, entrepreneurial pursuits. The universe is like, I know how you can do that better than anybody can do that. And then you say, and it's got to be this book and that speech and this employer and that client and that parcel of property on the corner of Maine and Sunset. There were a lot of other ways besides what you just said. A lot of other books or possibilities or clients or partners and talk about parcels of land. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, they're everywhere. But by you trying to micromanage the hows, you eliminate countless other better paths, possibilities, partners, etc. And then you're halfway down the path of micromanagement and you mm -hmm. wonder, should I give up? The question's fatally flawed because you're messing with hows as if they were the dream and you never should have attached to them to the beginning, in the beginning. So yeah, give up on those hows, but don't settle for less than joy, financial abundance, health, rocking, loving relationships, creative fulfillment. Those things you never give up on. You never say, well, I think happiness is a pipe dream. I'm giving up. It's like, no, of course it's not a pipe dream. That's why you're here. You don't think that about love and you shouldn't think that about health or rocking, fulfilling relationships. Those are the whys end results. Those are not hows. Those are destinations. But when we pick a how and say, this is how I'm going to get there. And then we think, and this is the dream. It's like, that's not the dream. Let it go. It might be the dream. And yes, you should write the book and you should interview and you should inquire about that parcel, but don't insist or attach to the pathways, the mm. who's, the how's, the when's, only insist on the big picture, rocking, joyful existence. I love it. I'm feeling that rocking, joyful existence, man. I'm, I'm holding that vision. Folks, as you're listening to this conversation, you know, regardless of what you're going through right now, even if there's certain things that haven't gone according to plan or haven't gone the way you wanted them to go, and maybe you're having to reorganize, let go, uh, release certain goals, dreams, or visions, do not give up on the end goal, the happiness, the joy, the bliss, the fulfillment, the loving. That's beautiful. Um, there's many different pathways to get there, is what I'm hearing. Um, that's, that's powerful, powerful. Uh, Mike, this has been a profound conversation. You've shared, I mean, we just rocked this. I mean, time went so fast. And it uh, feels like we, you just packed in so much uh, insight and wisdom and practical knowledge into the short time we have together. I think I've asked you this question before, but maybe it's a different time, it's a different year. Maybe there'll be a, a different response. If you were to look at your life, experiences, ups, downs, you know, relationships, fatherhood, entrepreneurship, and you were to look at the most important lessons that you feel you've learned in your life, some of which you may have shared, but if you were to say, you know, these are the only three lessons, the three most important things that you could pass on to your kid and the next generation and your grandchildren that you feel would evolve humanity the most, no pressure, right? That you'd feel would evolve humanity the most. What are, what are the three most important um, ideas or concepts that you feel you've learned that you would, you know, in the time we're in, that you would pass on to the next generation, the three things? Mm. 
Well, thoughts become things. Okay, oh. you are a creator. Nothing and no one can take that away from you. Got um, what you don't like, you are to change. That's mm. why you're here, and that's why it showed up in your life to show you your power. Thoughts become things. It's all you, and there couldn't be better news than that. Number two, you're inclined to succeed. Okay, mm. you're you're way more positive than you give yourself credit for, and your positivity is way more powerful than you've ever known before. So don't worry that you worry. You're inclined to succeed. You are, you are destined. You are designed to thrive. That is what normal is. You thriving here, settle for nothing less. And then number three would have to be just... Um, just see the love everywhere, the beauty everywhere. It is so freaking totally impossible that we're even alive. It's just mind-blowing that we're having a conversation and that there's a Coot Blackson and a Mike. That's impossible. It's impossible. But yet here it is. And not only that, it's beautiful and it's colorful and it's exotic and it's eternal. And, and it's like we live in heaven on earth. And it's made possible through love, love of the creator. And we are of the creator. We are love itself. So that's not very succinct. I apologize. I but it. thoughts become things. You're inclined to succeed and see the love. It's just Amen. everywhere. Amen. Folks, you heard it from the amazing Mike Dooley. Thoughts become things. If you aren't inspired now, wow, uh, I'm feeling more alive. I'm feeling ready to rock. I hope you are too, folks. Uh, a homework assignment for everyone listening in. I would love that as you go back into the world, focus on the, the vision, the end result, but also really start seeing intentionally, almost as a practice, as a meditation, start choosing to see the love that is everywhere. Every single day, the sun is shining on you. The sun doesn't ask, what did you do for me today? The sun just shines on you unconditionally. The moon gives to you, the flowers, nature. Life is constantly giving to us every day and i think every single moment of our lives your heart is beating right now trillions of processes are happening in your body right now to me there is something that is living and breathing us and, and the way i see it is it's all proof of the love of existence the love of the divine the love of god whatever you believe we are being loved every single moment so choose to see the love everywhere and uh, i think the more we see the love everywhere the more we will be given things to love and the more love will only expand in our lives. Mike Dooley, you're amazing. What's the best way people can find out about you and your work? And I want everyone to just connect with you more and what's your best website and all of that good stuff. Sure. Sure. Uh, well, first, thank you, Coot. You're a brother. I love you so much. It's an honor to be in your esteemed realm. I, I worship everything you teach oh, and, and share. Thank you. Um, my website is tut.com, the universe talks as an acronym, mm. tut.com. I send out a free note from the mm. universe every day. Uh, and that's where I post my events, virtual, physical, and all else. So tut.com. Awesome, folks. You heard it, tut.com. I want to encourage all of you to go there, explore Mike's world, explore Mike's universe. As you can tell, he's a fan of knowledge and inspiration, and your life will be blessed. And here we are, getting ready to rock 2021. Let's make it the best year we have ever had. Uh, folks, send me an email. Let me know. Kublaxon at kublaxon.com. Your key takeaways from today's episode with the amazing Mike Dooley. Also, share this episode far and wide with everyone you know and spread the word. Until next week, love now. 
If you've enjoyed this episode of Soul Talk, please do share the podcast with all of your friends. Let everyone know and make sure you download Soul Talk today. I'm looking forward to next week where I'll get to share more inspiration with you. Meanwhile, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or social media. You can find out more about my work at www.cooplaxon.com. If you feel ready to take your life to the next level, join me at my exclusive event in Bali, www.boundlessblissbali.com, where you can find out more and apply. Also, make sure to remember to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment at coopblackson.com. Sending you all big hugs and love now.